last week we shared with you a message, and that's the name of this series, Put the Devil in His Place. I know there's a song I heard this week on the radio, Shut the Door and Keep Out the Devil. I wish I could shut a door and keep him out. I remember as children we used to sing a song, The Devil is a Sly Old Fox, and if I could I'd put him in a box. And Would you turn that off please, sister? I'd put him in a box and throw away the key for all the dirty tricks he's played on me. We can't put him in a box. I wish we could. But we can bind him, right, and make it hard for him to operate. And so that's, that's our goal. That's what we want to do. Put the devil in his place. Let me read this scripture. We're going to begin in verse 6 today. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now last week we talked, as I said, about putting the devil in his place. Now, what I want to do today, I want to bring that on the other side of that spectrum, how we keep the devil in his place, how we overcome him, is by putting God in his rightful place. See, so many of us have got a a knowledge of God, we've got an understanding of God, but we're still lacking that relationship with God. There's people that have been born again, and Jesus is their Savior, but they've yet to follow on and commit themselves to where Jesus is their Lord. So we're going to talk today about putting God in His rightful place. Now, there's three things that this Scripture says here. First of all, it tells us to submit to God. Submit yourself... Therefore, to God, submitting yourself to someone is placing yourself under their authority and doing what you do in subjection to him, and listen to this, in order to make that person look good. Hello? You mean I need to make God look good? Well, no, God looks pretty good without us. But he's chosen to work through us and work with us. And a lot of people do not have a right understanding of God because of the way that you and I have lived. We call ourselves Christians, and I'm saying this in a general sense now. We call ourselves Christians, but so many times we don't live that Christian life like we ought to, and people are not able to see the good that God has and the good that God wants to do. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And and this is a David Carroll paraphrase. Okay, can I just do it this way? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and as you do that, you make God look good in heaven. Make Him look good. See, that's just like in a, in a husband-wife relationship. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he said, Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another. See, a lot of people take 
and they don't want to start till verse 22 about this husband-wife relationship, but it starts in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And simply what that means is this, is that I submit myself to my wife and so that the things that I do at home and out in everyday life, that it honors her and makes her look good. And in return, she submits to me to do the same way. If you, if you truly submit to your boss at work, and I know a lot of folks say, man, you don't know my boss. You, you, just, not, you know, me knowing your boss and how that boss is has nothing to do with what the Word of God declares to us. See, it said also in the book of Ephesians, if you just back up a few verses, it says that we're to work, or go forward a few verses rather, it says that we're to work as unto the Lord and not unto men with eye service as men pleasers. And when I work unto the Lord, it's going to honor the person that's my boss. And it's going to make them look good. I said to a lot of, a lot of uh, people that were my boss on jobs when I used to work, like I don't work now, but anyway, just when I used to get up and go hit the time clock, I'd tell them, look, I want you to understand, I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And I'd share that verse with them, and I'd say this to them, but I'm going to promise you this. As I work to honor the Lord, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. I've been called a lot of things by co-workers. I've been called a suck-up and a brown noser and all of that kind of stuff. But it, my goal was to honor the Lord and make that person look good by honoring the Lord. Submitting yourself. So when I submit to God, my goal is to live a life here that people can see that God is great and God is good. That God is all the things that we claim He is. And that the words of my mouth and the works that I do, the things that I do, is doing all that I can to glorify my Heavenly Father. Why? Because I'm submitted to Him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't submit to God, you can't resist the devil. He didn't just throw some words out here. Here's a progression to this. Submit to God. Submit to God. The, Brother Stephen, the way that he overcame this thing is he came to a point in his life to where he submitted to God. And as he submitted to God, he was able to stand and resist this addiction and walk free from it. Why? Because, not because he resisted the addiction, but because he submitted to God. Submit yourself to God. Then the next thing he says to do is to draw near to God. Draw near to to honor God. Draw near. Can I put it just coming on North Alabama language? Okay. The only people today that are really sad are Georgia fans. Now that wasn't what that, that was. Did I? I didn't read that in here. <laughs> Y'all were getting too serious with me here now. Come on. <laughs> Bo is a good guy. Hunter takes it pretty good too. They're all right. They done. They done both put us on guard for next week. The week after, the day after, or the Saturday after Thanksgiving, they done both put us on guard for that. So we're ready. We're ready. Hadn't got nothing to do with football, does it? Draw near to God. Like I said, put this in just common old North Alabama language. It means to suck up to God. I mean, latch in. 
get, get in with God. Well, how do I do that? We do that by honoring Him in our life. We do that by, by developing a relationship with Him so that, that we're, we're constantly walking in the presence of God. Y'all ever heard that preached on here before? About walking in the presence of God and being in His presence? Coming into His presence so that we can go out with His presence? And that's what that's called, drawing near to God. And, and we, our goal ought to be that I want to get so close to Jesus that when people see me, they see Jesus in my life and they don't see me. I want to get that close. Draw near. And here's a promise in that. When I draw near, when I dedicate myself to draw near to God and move to Him, let me tell you what I'm finding out. He's already drawing near to me. He's already coming close. And you say, well, He's everywhere. I'm talking about, you remember we talked about His manifested presence and His indwelling presence. And whenever, I, whenever I'm seeking Him in my life and submitted to Him, that's drawing near to Him. And He's drawing near to me in my life. And, and I can feel that relationship. I can sense that relationship as I walk with Him. See, it means to, to honor Him constantly in all that we do. Talk to Him. People say, I, I can't talk to God. You can talk to other people. You can talk about what's going on. You can talk about the current events. You can talk about the weather. Right? And you can talk to me. Talk to your husband, your wife, your children, your mother and daddy. You, you know, you, we can talk to people. And listen, we can talk to God just like we talk to people. You, you don't even have to speak the King James the Queen's English, that's right, isn't it, Bobby? Or the King James English. You can talk to him just like you talk to anybody else. Now, let me tell you, there's some honor involved in that. You don't go up for Jesus and say, hey, bro, what's going on? No, 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 no. <laughs> that don't work. <laughs> Nicholas, you're from Corpus Christi, Texas, isn't that right? Graduated from school this last year, played football. But, you know, you can, you can talk to Jesus just like you talk to anybody else, Nicholas. It, it, you know, and, and he'll listen to you, not because you demand, you know, big guy demand, but, but just because he's that way, he's listening. And not only that, he talks back to us. We draw near to him by honoring him and praising him. Let me tell you something, folks. I, be, I, I know Jesus lives in me. Through the Holy Spirit, He lives in me. He came by us this morning. He came close here. And, and, and Jesus said, tell them that the kingdom of God has come nigh or near unto you. And I believe the kingdom of God has not only come near, I believe His presence is still here with us even right now. So, so we draw near to God. Then another thing that He tells us to do is that we're to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Verse 10 says to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. We get this, we have to fight as human beings, we have to fight the temptation to rise up and build ourselves up in pride. You know, a lot of times the person that talks a lot is the person that has a pride problem. Either they're puffed up with pride or they're just so put down they want somebody to see them or notice them. But when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He'll lift us up. Listen, in John chapter 3, Verse 30, here comes the great John the Baptist. And he was a great. Jesus said, of those born among women, there's no greater prophet than he. But then he said something else, and I'll get to that in a minute. He, he said, there's no greater prophet than John the Baptist. 
So they came out where John was baptizing in, in John chapter 3, verse 30. And, and they come to him and said, you know, are you him? Or is somebody going to come or whatever? And, and he said, he's already come. He's already here. I introduced him to you as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I want you to know that my ministry is about to cease. He's about to get arrested and put in prison. He said, but listen to what he said. I must decrease. I must become less and less and less so that he can become greater and greater and greater. See, that's what humility is. Humility is not stupidity. A lot of people get this idea of humility. Oh, man, I can't, I can't do that. I can't sing. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't pray. And, 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 you know, I'm just an old worm in the dust and that kind of thing. I found out in Isaiah chapter 41 that God's in the worm business. He said to Israel, he called him a worm. He said, oh, you worm, Jacob. He said, I'm making a mighty army out of you. You may be a worm, but God's raising you up today to make a mighty army out of you. He enlists you in his calling. Don't feel like you're just an old scumbag, that you're nothing here upon this earth, because Jesus has done better by us than that. We're, we are accepted in the Beloved. Like I said earlier, He took my old wreck that I was and gave me His joy and peace and goodness and gave me His righteousness. Humility is this, folks. I can't, but God can. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You see, it's not, it's not a matter of, well, I just can't do it, I can't, I can't, I can't. God can. And because He can, and I'm submitted to Him, and I'm, I, I'm drawing close to Him, and and I'm humbling myself before Him, I can do everything I need to do because of Him. David said to Goliath, he said, I'm going to take your head from your shoulders. He said, God's going to give you into my hands this day. Now, first of all, he honored God. God's going to give you into my hand this day. I'm submitting it to God. It already drew near to God as he walked out there praying and, and looking to God. And he drew near to God, he submitted to God, and he said, God is going to give you into my hand, and I'm going to take your head from your shoulders. Folks, that's a picture of true humility. Submitted to God, getting up and doing the things that God has told us that we need to be doing. Thank you for that big amen. You, you can't get out of it just because you don't say amen, okay? Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says that He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, everybody say all things, He might have the preeminence. The preeminence means the top notch, folks. That's the top rung on the ladder. There's no higher that you can go. And when we recognize Him as that, humbling ourselves under Him and realizing that this thing is not about me. It's not about me and my wife, my son, his wife, us four, no more. It's about Him. Him. He alone deserves the glory and the honor. We put God in His rightful place when we exalt and glorify Him. When we exalt Him and glorify Him. See, exalt means to give esteem or honor by putting someone in an honorable position. It's a, it's a, it's a thing, uh, an act of our will that we come and say, 
Father God, Lord Jesus, my Savior, I put you above everything else. I put you first place in my life. And I want to follow you. And I want to honor you. I want you to have the glory. To glorify means to ascribe Him honor, acknowledge Him as to His being, attributes, and acts. The things that He does. Glorify Him. The things that He does brings glory under Him. In Psalms 107, I mean Psalm 72, rather, verses 17 through 19, He said, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Honoring and glorifying him. Exalting him. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous works, wondrous things. He does wondrous things. You get a hold of that? Who only does wonderful things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And forever let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. See, God, we, we honor Him because of the, the good things that He does. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. And it says that God's blessing us. And it says that He's causing everything to, everything to work together for our good because we love Him. Not because we're people but because we love Him and we're called. He's not working everything for our good just because we live on this earth. He's working everything for our good because we're His children and He loves us. And folks, if, if that alone ought to be enough to honor Him because the things that come in this life, he's, it, that he's given us the good things. It works together for our good so that we can turn and honor God and esteem Him for His acts, for the things that He does for you and I. Isaiah 61, when Jesus had come out of the wilderness, he went straight to Nazareth. He went into the synagogue. Now, what I'm talking about is over in Luke chapter 4. We're not going to look at that. But anyway, he went into the synagogue, and they, and they give him the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And he opened it, and he found the place where it was written. What he opened to is what we're going to read right here. In Isaiah chapter 61, had you turned to it, and I didn't. Hallelujah. You love the Lord? Well, get ready. Get ready, brother. If you want to jump and shout, you go right ahead. I don't know that anybody will join you, but nobody will stop you. <laughs> and if anybody wants to, you just jump right in. Isaiah 61, it said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Now listen at verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. God is glorified when the message goes forth. He honored Jesus that day. When Jesus went into Nazareth and He preached that word, He honored Him. And, and, and as He honored Jesus and Jesus was honoring the Father, they wanted to kill Him. I felt like I've been in that honor a few times. 
Thank God it didn't go through. But we glorify God not only in the ministering, but God's glorified in the results. I said God is glorified in the results. This whole thing here is talking about glorifying God. The ministering through the Spirit of God to the needs and the hurts and the problems of the people brings glory to God. But then the results brings glory to Him also. Now he said in verse 3 that he had... See, see, there's many reasons that people mourn. He said to comfort those that mourn in Zion. We normally think of somebody that's lost a loved one, that somebody that has passed on and gone on. And, 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 but there's other reasons that people mourn. To mourn means to be in, moving into a depressed state. Hello? I mean, there's a whole lot of de- things that you can put in with that. People mourn because of death, as I said. They mourn because of sickness. People get sick and it just don't seem like they can get any better and they just seem like they get down and out and that depressive thing begins to set in. People mourn because of poverty. I mean, what fun is it not having anything? What fun is lack? What fun is it always being in need? And I didn't say always being in want. Always being in need. What, what fun is that? So when we see that and it just don't look like we can ever get our nose above the water, and about the time we do it, it looks like a tidal wave comes in. You know what I'm saying? And we get to that point, and, and mourning, the, the symptoms of mourning begins to take place. Persistent sin. People get involved in a sin, or they get a sin habit in their life, or, or, or an addiction, or something like that, and it just don't seem like they can get rid of it. And so many times when people get to that point, the only thing they know to do for any relief is keep running to it, keep running to it, keep running to it until they come to a point to where I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired. I'm fed up with this thing. And, and there's a, a, a mourning, depressed kind of state that sets in. Loss of things in this life. I was sharing it in not, yesterday, 1956. November 11, 1956. I was an eight-year-old boy. And our house burned. Lost everything that we had. I mean everything. The only thing that we got out of that mother was able to reach through a window, break a window and reach through there and got one of daddy's suits and a quilt and that was it. Everything was gone. All our clothes, money, $3,000 in cash money burned up in that house. I mean, you know, 1956, that was a whole pile of money. Of course, I think it's a pretty good bit today. I'll take it anytime anybody wants to give me $3,000. We'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad. <laughs> Lost it all. And I remember seeing the hurt on my mama's face. Now, she may have said it to someone at some point in time, but in front of us six children, she had six children, her and daddy, she never one time said, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know what we're going to do. Never one time said it. And like I said, I can see the hurt in her face. I mean, you go home today and everything you got, there's going to be some hurt there. But God blessed us back. I mean, in so many ways. But I remember that. About this time every year, I remember that. And, 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 the, and it's a, a bad thing, but I can remember the faith of my father and mother 
that rose up bigger than that fire was in that house. They could have got down. They could have just... I mean, listen, folks, it had not been but ten months since my mother lost a little baby girl. So, so you see, we lose things in this life, and it can cause a, a, an attitude of mourning. But regardless, let me tell you, whatever attitude you came in here with you today, I knew, I knew that before I, I come to church this morning that I was going to have some good news for somebody, but after the Lord has brought all you people in here today, I know I've got good news because Jesus said, listen, I've come to a point, a point. In other words, he said that's the same. When he appoints something, that's the same thing as him. Like in, in Deuteronomy, he said, command the blessing. Jesus said, here is what I'm giving you. God, because I want the Father to be glorified. And folks, when we will receive the things that he says here, then I want you to know God is glorified in that. The first thing he says is beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. In that day when they would mourn over anything, they would, they would put ashes on their head and, and on their body and they would sit in sackcloth and, and in a bed of ashes and just get dirt dirty in their mourning time. But Jesus said, wait a minute, you that mourn, I've come to give you some beauty. And what that's talking about is a headdress. Not ashes on the head, but a headdress. A lot of times it was made out of a garland that whenever people get extremely happy, you know, they would put this on. And it's referring to the, the, the turban-like thing that they would wear, like many of them in the Middle East still wear today. This turban-like thing. And they would decorate this. And they would do that to show uh, happiness and beauty. And they would make it just as beautiful as they could on both the men and women both. So Jesus said, listen, I've come to give you that instead of ashes for your head. Because now that I've come and that the year of Jubilee has shown up, and now that I'm here preaching the acceptable year of the Lord, you don't have to sit in mourning like that any longer. You say, well, aren't we supposed to mourn when somebody passes away? Well, sure we are. We're, we're, we're still people. Y'all know the story that and many of you read Loretta's Facebook post about Dave and Sheila that used to come to our church and live at Hazel Green. And they'll, they'll be back with us. And how that her son... Uh, got tragically killed this week by his stepson nephew. That's the whole, I'm not going to try to get into the story, okay? But we went to see her on Thursday. And we sat and talked with her well, Friday, I guess, whatever day it was, we went to see her one day this week. And I know it wasn't Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. What day was it, dear? Oh, she's not, dear's not here. Anyway... And she told us about the things in her life. But let me tell you what she said to me. She said, Brother Carol, if it was not for my relationship with God, I couldn't go through this thing. She said, but because of my relationship with Jesus, I can smile. And I thought, beauty for ashes. Then he said, said not only that, he said, but, uh, well, let, let me just say this to you. It's like David. Y'all know that story. We won't, we won't turn there and read it. I just want to share this with you. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, the child that was born to that adulterous relationship. Actually, he was born. We don't know how old he got. We know he was here for a while. David loved that little child. The little child got sick. And David went in his room where he was and sat in sackcloth and ashes. 
covered himself with the dirt, showing mourning. David had a lot of experiences like that. But then he prayed and the child died. And when he found out the child was dead, he got up, he took a bath, he washed himself, put on clean clothes, and put that crown on his head. Now, the Bible don't say put the crown on his head, but he went into his place. And that meant he went in with that headdress on. They come to him and said, we don't understand when the child was sick, you mourned and you grieved and you cried. But now then that he's gone, here you are rejoicing. What's the, what is it? And he said, well, the fact of it is, he can't come to me. He's dead. He can't come to me, but I can go to him. The oil of joy, beauty for ashes had come upon him, you see. He rose up out of that. If you need to mourn, mourn. I tell people a lot of times, Cry if you have to, laugh if you can, but you're going to get through this thing. A lot of people say there's a set time to mourn. I don't think people need to mourn over losses all of their life. I think there comes to a point in time when people need to move on, and that's when the beauty of the Lord begins to set in. And this next part will help you with that. He said the all of joy. The all of joy. He said, I'll give you this all of joy. pointing it to you, commanding it to you, that this joy comes. See, it means we receive the peace of God that passes all understanding. That, that all is the Holy Spirit coming and ministering to us in a special way at a special time, bringing into us the joy of the Lord. And we need to, we need to open up and receive that because, folks, that is what blesses God. Whenever we'll receive that. And here, how do we do that? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7. And you knew that scripture was coming, I'm sure. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, or don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And listen to this next thing. And the peace of God. You'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That peace that keeps us, sustains us when the hard times of life are going on. Folks, I wouldn't tell you for a minute, you get right with God today, you commit all to God today, and, and everything's just going to be a, a flowery bed of ease the rest of your life, and you'll just sail right into heaven smelling like roses. I believe we're going to sail into heaven, don't get me wrong. It'll be like roses. You're going to have some thorn pricks in this life. You're going to have things come against you. You're going to have circumstances to rise up against you. But they don't have to overcome you. What I'm telling you today, problems do not have to dominate your life when you can dominate problems. And one way you do that is you take it to God and then you allow the joy of the Lord to come to you. In Nehemiah, they were rebuilding the walls. And they kept coming up with problems every way they turned. And the enemy kept coming against them and trying to to put them down and, and to destroy the wall and to keep it from happening. But they finally came to the point to where they had the wall built. And they had a big celebration. They came before the prophet Nehemiah. And he, he prophesied to them and he spoke to them. And in Nehemiah 8.10, he, he made this statement to them. Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and shared gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
When we allow the joy of the Lord to come upon us and we walk in that, even in difficult times, folks, it glorifies God. And then he said the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A picture here. I want you to see this. This is a picture of royalty. And I, would you help me a minute? All right, come right over here. I tell you what, just sit down right here on this. Right here. Now, this is play acting, okay? Hope you understand that. This picture of garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness is this. It's royalty, and I'm going to play the part of royalty, and he's going to play the part of the other. Not bad, but I'm, I'm royalty. And I'm walking through here. And I see this person sitting here sad and dejected by the wayside because life has just got too big for them, too hard and too rough. Their clothes are battered and torn. Their face is dirty. And here's royalty that comes by, takes off that garment and puts it on that person, picks them up, wipes their face off. You don't think he's happy? Would that make you happy, brother? Yes. Say praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> see, you see what I'm saying? The garment of praise. Yeah, go ahead. The garment. <laughs> I won't say what I started to. Maybe you traded in for a smaller model. <laughs> I almost said, keep it one day when you grow up, you'd wear it. But I won't say that, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But you see what I'm talking about. Jesus came by one day. He came by one day. And I was sitting... By the wayside, tattered, torn, dirty, garment twisted. And he came by and he took off that robe of righteousness and he put it around my shoulders. I've been rejoicing ever since. Any time that Satan tries to tell me that I'm nothing, I go back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I became a child of God April the 2nd, 1969. Satan, you can't take that away. None praise the Lord. If, if I can't praise Him for nothing else, that can praise Him for the fact I'm saved. And when I begin to get down and out, you say, you get down and out sometimes, preacher? Yeah, for a few minutes I will. If I don't watch it, it'll, it'll, it'll last longer than that. But I've learned, I've learned that I can begin to take that and turn it around and begin to praise God and praise Him and put on that garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that heaviness has to go. We don't have to walk. Let me tell you, I thought about this morning, about that prodigal son. How he went away from the Lord, spent all of his living, everything he had was riotous living. Got off on drugs, got off on alcohol. No doubt had got mixed up with the wrong kind of people involved in pornography. All kind of things. Sort of like what's going on in the world today. Oh. Such a depressing... If you just look at this world and take it for what it is, it's a depressing thing. But when you look at it through the eyes of God, you see hurting people that need help. He went off, wasted it all, and one day said, you know, 
I think I'll get up and go back to my father. I, I, I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned, and this may be one of your hired services. All I ask is something. Because they got plenty to eat. I ain't got nothing. Eating hog slop. He got up. He come to his father, and when his father saw him a great way off, he run and fell on him. Hugged that old hog smelling boy, dirt and mud and grime and everything else on him, hugged him. And he said, This my son was dead, but now he's alive. He's lost, but now he's found. He said, Bring the robe. Bring the robe and put on him. I don't know. They don't say, but I believe that whenever he put that robe on, that son put that sandals on his feet, that ring on his finger, I believe that little boy danced a jig. Couldn't help himself no more. Why? Because now he had on the robe, he had on the garment of praise, and that spirit of heaviness was off of him. I don't know where you may be this morning. I know that's between you and God. But I'm here to tell you, like I said earlier, you don't have to leave like you came. You want to bring glory to God today in your life? Then let Jesus, as he's appointed unto you, beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. One final thing, listen. He's glorified when we make him Lord of our lives. When we make him Lord. He's glorified when you get saved. But when you go a little bit further, like I said in the opening, and you submit to him and make him Lord, all the glory, the glory that comes to the Father and the glory he can get out of your life. A lot of people need to, does that mean I'm not going to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying is this. Listen, you're saved. But Jesus wants to be your Lord. That word Lord means owner, master, caretaker, provider, Lord, healer, blesser, baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Everything you need, our Lord is. And you really want to put the devil in his place? Then I want to encourage you today to put God in his place. Let Jesus be Lord of your life. and Let him do a work in you that will glorify him. Let's bow our heads together just now. And I want to encourage you this morning as you're sitting here that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and speak to you the things that you need right now. Ask Him, Holy Spirit, what do I need to take out of this message today?